Welcome to the Bill Bradley Collective. Uh, we are recording here on a beautiful uh, Sunday afternoon in my backyard while continuing to maintain our social distance protocols in beautiful New London, Connecticut, a town that Benedict Arnold burned to the ground because we decided to only guard three-fourths of our land. Uh, <laughs> but we burn him in effigy once a year, so take that, Benedict Arnold's great-great-great-great-grandchildren. Andrew, how you doing? Doing all right, sir. All right. I'm excited. I'm excited for uh, you know your topic here. I'm very excited. Dad, how you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm I'm sitting here sipping a craft beer made in Connecticut while the rest of you drink mass market swill because you put rise advertising over taste. But that's okay. I believe the preferred nomenclature <laughs> is just macro swill. We'll just yeah. we're we're supporting uh, and if there small was a independent local, package yeah, stores. Yeah, if there right. was a local brew that just made shit beer, I'd drink it. But none of none of them will make a Bud Light. <laughs> Or comparable product. They're too good at what they do for us. <laughs> now, before we get into our main topic, uh, this has been a, an incredibly tough week. Uh, we're recording on, on May 31st. Uh, the George Floyd murder happened last week. Um, and, you know, we, we thought about touching on it. Uh, but then again, uh, we didn't think it was appropriate. And we have a statement. So, Dad? Yeah, um, this has been one of the worst weeks in memory for for this country in, in my lifetime. Um, you forget, it was only five days ago that we hit 100,000 COVID deaths, the murder of George Floyd, the attendant um, protests and, and riots. And we did talk about it. We, we're a, a podcast that talks about the intersection of sports and politics, but sometimes we talk just sports and sometimes we talk just politics. But we're four white guys, so we can't speak from experience and therefore we can't speak from knowledge. And we decided as a group that what we're going to do is do what white men almost never do, which is just shut the fuck up about it. Keep our thoughts to ourselves. We're gonna listen to people who do have the experiences with respect so that we can get to empathy. And we're gonna just do the show that we were planning to do. Only Zach knows what that show is. And hopefully it'll be 40 minutes of diversion for you and for us, from the pain that is just flooding our land. Well said, and, and I think we all agree. But so on my topic, I, I'm very excited for this week because I was thinking about how to follow up uh, last week, Dad, your obscurity of, of the 1890s uh, baseball rules and, and leagues and <laughs> players. Uh, and I started doing research. And on this research, I kind of kept seeing this name pop up and thought, well, this is kind of absurd and it made me think this would be an appropriate topic because on this podcast we often talk about uh the best players in in their sport the best athletes and the impact they had on their sport we talked about jordan in the last dance we talk about the stars in the nfl cba and the impact they can have on 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 moving issues forward we talk about the nba players and social justice but we almost never talk about the underdogs the other side the not so talented when it comes to underdogs, I think of our famously, and, and, and this is where I found it, was Olympic underdogs, because that is the pinnacle of sports. And when we think of Olympic underdogs, obviously, cool runnings, the Jamaican bobsled team in 88 comes to mind, as does Steve Bradbury, the Australian speed skater who won gold because everyone else fell down. <laughs> and that. he got into the finals because in the semifinals, everyone else fell down. But that is not what this is going to be about today. Now, Great Britain is not what you would know, call in a Winter Olympic powerhouse. 
Uh, they have 31 total medals, gold, silvers, and bronze. Norway has 368 at the most. Uh, the United States has 305, coming in second. West Germany, a country that has not existed in 30 years, has 39. <laughs> so eight more uh, than Great Britain, who has been competing in those Olympics. But within that, skiing is a Winter Olympic sport. It's famous, you know, in, in America. We think of Brody Miller, Lindsey Vaughn. Skiing is a very, very expensive sport. And it's even more so if you want to be at the top of your game. You want to be an elite athlete because you have to pay for private lessons, private time, best equipment. Aside from that, it's even more difficult if you are nearsighted and you don't have good eyesight, as is the subject of tonight's episode. Michael Edwards was an Englishman who grew up in a working class family of tradesmen. He himself was a tradesman. Uh, his family was painters, masons, carpenters. He had always had dreams of Olympic aspirations. He always just wanted to get there, wanted to compete. And he started skiing at the age of 13, which is pretty late if you want to make the Olympics. Skiing where? What's the biggest mountain in England? <laughs> uh, from like, what, from, it's an island. <laughs> from what I could tell, he just kind of found mud. <laughs> but, so, it, yeah, you can't really ski. There's no mountains in England. Uh, there's no mountains in Great Britain. There's yeah. no mountains anywhere. Just going, hence the financial burden right. of being a skier. And, and, and what year are we in? 19, he was born 1963, so we are in uh, 1976, when he's 13 years old when he picks it up. So he can't even pick up skis on the internet. Like, he has to go to a place that sells skis. Yes, he has to find the only English uh, ski seller. <laughs> And 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 purchase his equipment. Ski seller. Skis, I I'm, I'm assuming he he contracts a guy who normally Ski, makes yes. boats. Yeah, yeah. He makes planks. Yeah. Now, He's a plank builder. Yeah. Now he, he starts skiing in 1976 at the age of 13. He's very good at it. Actually, he he kind of has this natural talent. And six or seven years later, uh, he tries out for the Great Britain uh, downhill skiing Olympic team for the 1984 Sarajevo Olympic Games. He's very competitive. He's right on the fringe, but he doesn't make it. He's not oh. able to attend the 84. The first tragedy in a long line of tragedies <laughs> for our hero. And the Sarajevo Olympics are great. That was, a, that was a good year for Winter Olympics. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to go to one, I mean, why not go to Sarajevo? <laughs> <laughs> That's a destination. <laughs> yeah. go, go to a city that, that was in a country that doesn't exist anymore. That was great. Now, after he uh, misses out on this opportunity of competing in the Olympics in 84, he goes to Lake Placid to train, uh, as one does after they miss out in the Olympics. Sure. The problem is, he's not a rich guy. You know, he comes from a family of tradesmen. He's a tradesman himself. He can't really afford to continue alpine skiing. Uh, he can't afford the money. He can't afford... He tried to do odd jobs, but he just can't keep up with it. And it is at Lake Placid where he sees people going down a mountain and soaring through the air and landing. And he goes, oh, ski jumping. He goes, well, ski jumping, I can... I can try that. And that okay, is why is that cheaper? I have no idea. <laughs> it, like I, I think it's because like you just buy the skis, the boots, then you just go down a hill. Like <laughs> I think our hero is a man of dreams. Well, I, I guess yeah. you don't have to hire a coach to help you in the turns because there's no right. turns. It's less just... less specialization and just kind of going off a jump than like maneuvering like a course. And an exceptionally more dangerous sport. <laughs> yeah. Now yeah. He, he's, if you're not good enough to get it down the hill on your feet, only, <laughs> getting down the hill on the air may not be the choice. Like, this is true. Now, yeah. He sees this and he sees the ski jumping 
and he decides to go do it. And that is where Michael Edwards becomes Eddie, Eddie the Eagle. Eddie the Eagle Edwards. <laughs> I remember him so well. Eddie the Eagle Edwards started training for ski jumping when he decided. It was 1986. He was 22 years old. By the beginning of 1987, he was competing in World Cups. Now, he wasn't finishing first, but he was in the bottom. He wasn't good. He'd been doing it for a year. I mean, like Norwegians, I'm pretty sure when they come out, like are birthed on a ski slope <laughs> and just fire out. But, but one of the great things about the Winter Olympics is it, there's such niche sports. It's like if you buy a bobsled, you are immediately one of the 100 best bobsledders in the world because only 100 people own bobsleds. Ski jumping's kind of like that. Because a lot of the really poor people die. So it's like you really can get past them. It's in the herd. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not poor in terms of money, but poor in terms of quality, yeah. Yeah, and, and importantly, uh, Great Britain did not have a ski jump team. They didn't compete in that event. They hadn't competed in that event in about five decades. Uh, one guy competed in it, but it was part of a other ski event. It was like a, one of like a... a duathlon kind of or biathlons yeah they actually still have that where you have to ski jump and then you ski and that it's was one of those weird combo rifle yeah one of those weird combo shit if, things that only the winter olympics have yeah that that was kind of the last time yeah. great britain competed <laughs> now he couldn't afford to do skiing he couldn't really afford to do ski jumping he didn't have gear uh, at all all he had was regular ski gear <laughs> and i mean probably most importantly he had no idea <laughs> No idea how to compete in this sport. It is an entirely different sport. He just said, fuck it, I'm doing it. Right. It's, it's a very different, like, because, and I've never skied, because it never occurred to me that I wanted to do something where I'd be cold and in danger and it costs a lot of money. Like, that never struck me as something I'd want to do. I know enough about skiing to know that when you're skiing, you're trying to remain relatively upright. But when you ski jump, you lean way over the skis. So it's a completely different, I don't know of anybody, like that's what makes that, the Winter Olympics knows they don't have enough sports so they come up with all these weird combo sports. It's why it's such a weird sport because it's a completely different skill set. Yeah, it, it's a sport that reminds me of like some Winter Olympic or Summer Olympic sports. You're like, this just, it's a time that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> like, in, yeah, in 500 BC, it was cool to see who could throw a rock the farthest, but it's 2020. <laughs> Like, maybe let's do, like, other sports. Greco-Roman wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> Greco. What is what, what? what is skeleton? Skeleton? Skeleton, skeleton is, is that? Skeleton is luge, but you're on your stomach going head first. Right. Now, For men that there like is danger. also, Women, men in much yeah. like double luge, there is also double skeleton, where a man lays on top of another man, and they just go even faster. So, mm. basically, a guy can be both concussed and fucked up the ass at the exact same moment. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Video right. <laughs> now, now he goes after he decides to. No to, judgment there. Like, there's a judgment oh. on concussions. I don't think people should be concussed. No, I've had I've had seven. It's, I wouldn't recommend them. <laughs> right. Um, seven concussions. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he decides after he after he decides to go ski jumping. He goes to the the trainers at the at the facilities and he says, "Hey, like I want to do ski jumping, but I don't have any equipment." They say, "Hey, we'll look the other way." There's a shed out back with all the surplus equipment. Go knock yourself out. Go grab what you need. So he goes and he grabs equipment. This equipment includes a helmet uh, that the way they connected it was just a piece of string uh, that kept it on his head. Uh, and boots that were so big that he had to wear six pairs of socks in order to fit in them. Now, this did not deter young Eddie the Eagle. 
He was like, I'm going to the fucking Olympics <laughs> any way I can. So he goes to Switzerland to train, gets enough money, flies to Switzerland. Almost no help from Great Britain. They're not really thrilled with the idea of spending money to spend a guy, to pay for a guy who has no experience in a sport they don't compete in to go to another country to train and probably not even make it. Right. And his whole existence kind of points out how bad the Great Britain Winter Olympics team is. Like, I thought you were going to say how bad he is. No. I mean, it sounds like he hasn't been good at anything he's tried yet anyway. <laughs> well, I, uh, spoiler alert. I completely remember Eddie the Eagle. I remember the entire thing. It was quite the show. It would, he got a ton of publicity, and he did have the thickest glasses I had ever seen. It was unbelievable. But Great Britain was worried, well, people are going to think that we don't have a good Winter Olympic program. It's like, well, you don't. Like, I don't want to tell you. Like, we all agree. It didn't get worse when India left, at least. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're still behind a country that hasn't existed in 30 years, it's hard to say. It's hard to make the argument you have a good team. Right. Um, so they don't really spend a lot of money to send him there. They don't. They give him very little help. So Eddie then sleeps in cars in order to train, save money, eats out of dumpsters, eats out of trash cans, does anything he can. Now, this is not the way normal Olympic athletes train to compete in the Olympics. To be fair, Michael Phelps had to eat Subway. <laughs> He begins competing. Not a sponsor. No, not a sponsor. <laughs> no. He, be, he begins competing in these World Cup tournaments. And he continues to train. And he continues to train. As he kept training and going to these World Cup events, as angry as Great Britain was about him doing this or a, a, as much they didn't support it, the other athletes that participated in the other teams really began respecting him. Because he put it best and he said, uh, when you do a ski jump, you're supposed to soar through the air. I fell out of the air like a pigeon that was dead. <laughs> uh, was that his coaching? Like, did the coach say try to do that? He had no coach. He had no coach. It was just it was Eddie Edwards. Self taught. It was Eddie the Eagle by himself. I didn't realize his first. I, I didn't. I always assumed his first name was Eddie. I didn't realize it was his last name. It's like, not even his last name. It's Eddie the Eagle Edwards. They just, and by the way, the nickname the Eagle did not come because he started ski jumping. He got it as a kid. <laughs> like, for, like, he had it when he was like six. <laughs> just no reason. So it's Eddie Edwards. No, no, it's, no, it's Michael Edwards. Yeah. It's, it's Michael <laughs> Edwards. His name, his nickname, or what is known as, is Eddie the Eagle Edwards. Right. I, I mean, you it's a lot of sports. They take your last name. You would have been they, a great X Games person. And they, they take your last name and just kind of. Like making a first name, and that happens all the time. You know that E cubed, Smitty, or something like that. Yeah. That E cubed had a great logo. I can only assume getting nicknamed Eagle at age six has to be like ironic. It has to be because he's like not there, fluid or not like regal or not. Like, I assume it's for. There are some stories I found where he would just like jump off his house. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. So it's, not, it's not ironic. <laughs> like just, okay. So the X Games reference yeah, is relevant. yeah. Like th yeah. this, this was a man who had yeah. dreams. Well, thank God he lived. Thank God he came from a poor background where they didn't own a three family, like a three story home, because we would not be here today. <laughs> no, it would have been a very different story about Eddie the Eagle. Yeah. Now. As this goes on, the British Olympic Association tells him, okay, we'll send you to Calgary, but you have to do a qualifying jump of 70 meters. Like, we're not going to be embarrassed. 70 meters is respectable. You have to hit 70 meters. 
That's what, 210 feet uh, or yards? Three, 210 yards. Well, no. It's 3.14. A meter is 3.14 feet. So it's 210 plus uh, 84. It's like, yeah, it's like 220 feet. Yeah, so he's got to jump a good chunk of a football That's, field. Yeah. Now he I have no idea why I know that the meter is 3.14 I know it's I know it's three feet. I just no, go it's, it's, three, it's three feet. It's three point one four. Yeah, it's a little less. It's all yeah. the time you spend in metric countries. <laughs> well, I mean, we should just adopt the metric system. No question. So, yeah. Oh, no question. I actually read a book about why we don't have the metric system, and it was very interesting. If you're me, by the way, one of uh, in 2016, one of my favorite Democratic presidential candidates, Lincoln Chafee, uh, one of his main platform posts was to wasn't adopt he, the metric system. Wasn't he a Republican? Democrat. He's running. He was a Republican in the Senate. Then he became a Democrat, ran for president. Now he's running for the Libertarian nomination. He's a he's an enigma wrapped in a cheap suit. He's a product of Rhode Island. He's Rhode yeah. Island. He's Rhode Island. That's Rhode Island. <laughs> That's, all That's right. As long as your mob connected, nobody asked any questions. Yeah. So he 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 wants to hit the seventy meters, and he continues to train. And the Finnish national team says, "Hey, you can come to Finland and train with us." He has no money to get there. He can't stay anywhere. But remember, he's a tradesman. And one of the trainers on the Finnish team was a painter and a decorator. And they knew each other. And the painter decorator said, I have a place for you to stay. I'll let you come. I got it. I'll put you up. The place Painter decorator? I've never heard decorator is a trade. I assume they... I don't know. The feng shui. I, that, you, that don't was how we described. you don't live in Switzerland. Yeah. yeah I, that seems like a very European thing. Like, it's not an American thing. Yeah. Right. There's a million jokes, but none of them will be made. So. <laughs> now, the place that he had to stay for free, by the way, for free, was a Finnish mental hospital. <laughs> First he, class accommodations. He would go, train, come back. Eat with the inmates, mingle, go to his room, <laughs> go back, train. He finally takes his qualifying jump. To, to be fair, in Finland, probably wanting to make a profit puts you in a mental institution. Like it's like you know, it's you're not you're not one of us. Yeah. Also, also these are Finnish mental institutions, it's not American. Like it's it's closer to a Howard Johnson. Oh, actually, than, oh, it's fin yeah. Finnish mental. Yeah, Finnish mental institutions are not even a Howard Johnson. It's like it's like a uh, Hilton. <laughs> It's not it's like, like, like yes. Yeah. No, no, they have like saunas and wet bars. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> so he he gets ready. He's finally ready to take his qualifying jump. He gets on the top of the hill, goes down, and he hits sixty nine point five meters. Not seventy. Round up. But sixty nine point five. He goes back to the Finnish mental hospital, <laughs> where he receives a call from the British Olympic Association. As he's sitting in a mental hospital, so he's probably the only <laughs> Olympic athlete to ever receive this call, uh, telling him that Great Britain will send him to Calgary in 1988. And Eddie the Eagle Edwards gets to achieve his Olympic goal and yeah. go to Calgary. Now, by the way, this is the same Calgary Olympics that the 1988 uh, Jamaican bobsled team was at. Yes. So I remember this Olympics too. It was yeah, great. So it was just like a comedy of errors, I guess, in this Olympics. But it, it, it's he makes it. It was it was like the the Winter Olympics when they finally said, "Yeah, fuck it, we're kind of like we are the kind of crazy sports thing. Let's just lean into mm. it. Let's just lean into the whole embrace it yeah. experience." Yeah. yeah. Now he gets to Calgary, but the problem is Great Britain still not really financially supporting him, so he still has 
the same equipment that he picked up in Lake Placid at the shed. But this is where I think, you know, the solidarity aspect of it comes in and, and, and what the Olympic spirit is supposed to embody is the Italian team uh, give him a helmet. Here's a helmet for it's you. Still, okay. still okay. He's using the same equipment. Like, I feel like equipment now doesn't last that long. Yeah. He's using, he's using the same, like, six layers of socks. Yep. <laughs> he's using the same the Olympics. bad skis. He's using but the same. Again, he's a tradesman, so he probably could just make this shit work. Like, you, you know. He just keeps remaking the same. Yeah, he's like, just, right. So suddenly his skis are a little thinner than everybody else's. And yeah, so the, the Italians gift him a new helmet. And he, now he has a helmet that's not connected by string. Uh, the Austrians give him new skis, so he no longer has the old skis in the shed. Uh, however, same boots. Still has to wear six <laughs> pairs of socks. Now, one of the things that made Eddie well, have... No, no, no guy wants to say, yeah, my feet aren't that big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my feet are much smaller. Please pass no other judgment on me. <laughs> now, if you remember, Eddie the Eagle is nearsighted. He has big Coke bottle glasses. Yeah, I remember that well. And one of the challenges, if you're doing ski jumping, is that you go to a higher elevation. And his glasses would constantly <laughs> become misty and foggy, and he would, like, lose the power of sight. So he is an inexperienced ski jumper after only two years, going to the compete in the Olympics with bad equipment, better equipment than he had, but losing the power of sight. <laughs> And that's a struggle Zach is familiar with. That is a COVID problem for Zach. Yes. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that's a COVID. Yeah, that's definitely a COVID personal. thing. Yeah. Because the masks and the glasses in my nose, that's a that's a horrible trioka. Yeah, I just I go, I go to the I go to the package store and I'm just like, you know what, the guy knows what I like. Right. I don't have to see. Right. He goes and he, he's able to qualify to compete in the large hill and the normal hill events. Uh, he's competing against the all time greatest ski jumper, uh, Matty. Nikonen from Finland. From Finland, team, yeah. The team he trained with. The Flying Finn. The Flying Finn. <laughs> a friend, yeah, a friend who's been doing this you know, earlier than 22 years old. <laughs> On the large hill, it's the winner uh, with the distance longest. You take two jumps, they combine the two jumps. That's how, that's what your final distance is. That's how they uh, determine who wins. Matty Nikonen uh, pulls this off. He wins with a distance of 224 total meters. Uh, 58th was Canadian Todd Gilman with 110.8 meters. And in 59th was our friend, Eddie the Eagle, with a total of 57.5 meters. No, so wait, 57.5 in what was first? 224. He had two jumps. One was 30 meters and one was 27.5. Uh, Matty Nikodin's was both over 100 meters. And his goal was, the winner got 220? 224. And his country's goal was 70, and he didn't even hit that. No, he didn't his goal hit that. was 70 in one jump. Yeah, he didn't hit that combined. He didn't hit it combined. No. Oh, <clears> I remember. Eddie, know, you got to fly. No. Yeah, I mean, I remember this, and there were people who were not amused. No. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that's coming up. Yes. Uh, then he goes and competes in the normal hill. Uh, which is the winner of the most points. It's yardage plus, I think, like, form. Yeah, they have a form yeah, thing, it's like a, bullshit. Yeah, it's yeah. like, it's winner plus form equals points, and then they combine the two I, jumps. I guess it's so that somebody who lands the farthest but on their head doesn't <laughs> win. <laughs> no. No. Very, very little form points. Right. The top three are all dead. Now, Matty... <laughs> the posthumous gold goes... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, Matty Nikonen... such a sad podium. Now, the normal hill happens the two rounds jumps go off 
Maddie Nikonen again wins 229.1 points. Eddie finishes in last again with 69.2 points. Oh, it's so close. So 160 behind. To 70. Now, <laughs> Maddie Nikonen makes history here. He becomes the first ever okay. ski jumper to win both the large hill and normal hill competitions. It's never been done. But that is not what the fans care about. <laughs> no. All the fans care about is Eddie the Eagle. He becomes a sensation in Calgary. He becomes a sensation in Canada. Fly, Eagle, fly. Yeah. He becomes the biggest thing, much like how William Hung became like an American icon. Uh, he, he's just an instant fan favorite. But the problem is the fans love him. The media likes him there. They find him interesting. The IOC and the British Olympic Association don't like him at all uh they believe he's making a mockery of a sport which they of course take very seriously i mean how do you not take a sport <laughs> where you just simply go from the top of a mountain and jump and the thing that's so weird about that sport is that the grooves for your skis are already there like if you can ski at all you can ski jump you can't land except for landing <laughs> like, yeah. uh, but like you can leave the ground i mean that's not a trick you can leave the ground so, the 1988, 1988 Olympics end. Life has to go on for Eddie the Eagle. Now, he has yet to make his impact on the sport, but life goes on. So, this is where we take a slight detour from Eddie the Eagle, Olympic athlete, <laughs> to Eddie the Eagle, personal superstar in Britain, Great Britain. He becomes an icon. A Which is the most British thing ever. It's, uh, yeah. Like, it the British love their guys who can't win. Yes. It's sports. It's so, it's crazy. It's sports, yeah. It, yeah. It's like Frank Bruno was the most popular boxer ever, and he got knocked out constantly, and they loved him. Yeah, they're, they're this the, is, this is great country, British hopes are. This is a country that, that lost the United States, India, half of Africa, and they just lapped that up. It's like Argentina. Yeah, the one thing we didn't inherit from them in, in 1776 was just a consciousness of who we are as a people. <laughs> yeah. uh, so they were like, no, I can be a millionaire. It's like, nah, in Britain, they're like, nah, bloke, you came from the islands. Like, scale it down a bit. Yeah. So he comes back home. He's a, he's a great icon. He's a great British hero. Now, in England, they have a different type of government than we have. They have uh, a government brought up from proportional representation. So if you win a certain percentage... Uh, in districts, you get seats. It's why they don't have two parties. They have more like four or five. Uh, it's how fringe, you know, quote unquote, fringe or minor political parties get on. The Green Party gets on. But there is also fringe of the fringe uh, parties. One of these parties was the Monster Raving Looney Party. <laughs> now, the Monster Raving Looney Party loved Eddie the Eagle. Wait, Monster? Monster no, Raving. It's not, it's not supported by Monster Energy Drink. I. I don't, believe it. I, don't believe they, I don't believe they just did it in 88, but it's probably where they got their name from. Monster raving, and it's not the loony from Canada. No, it's not the Canadian dollar. Okay. It's not Kevin Looney. So it's like three adjectives. It's a noun followed by two adjectives. Yes. It's <laughs> okay. a, yes, it's the monster raving loony party. They like Eddie the Eagle, and they name him. Shocker. Their minister for butter mountains. <laughs> and better than butter faces. And, and, and we, are, <laughs> we are not European. We're not in the EU. So many of us may be saying, what the hell is a butter mountain? Well, a butter mountain is what British people refer to what they call the surplus butter in European countries. 
that they don't sell in order to keep prices at a certain level. So there's in Europe, I guess there's all these surplus butter. They call it butter mountain. And their plan, <laughs> their plan was that they were going to turn the surplus butter into ski slopes so that Eddie could jump down Butter Mountain. Wait a second. So Butter Mountain's not a metaphor? No, it's a it's a real thing. <laughs> it, they they take All right. Because I'm vaguely aware of our American agriculture bills that, you know, which which convince you that the best thing in the world to do is grow grain and then dump it in the river. Uh, that's basically what this is. It's like Produce as much butter as you can. We won't let you sell it, but we'll pay you for it anyway, and then we'll make a mountain out of it. I'm not sure if they, there's a mountain. <laughs> um, so it might be a metaphor. It, it's, they want to turn Butter Mountain into, into a real thing, into actual mountain ski slopes. Surprise, surprise, they, they, they don't win any seats. <laughs> Uh, the dream, the dream of Butter Mountain, dies. Uh, another, another blow, another blow to our hero, as uh, he will no, he will now not be able to ski down butter and do a ski jump, and he won't be able to be in, and he won't be able to be in Parliament as well, because he could have, like, he and Manny Pacquiao would have had so much to talk about. Yes. <laughs> no, he would have been, he would have been, he would have been bizarro, Manny Pacquiao. <laughs> yes, exactly. He would have paid his taxes. <laughs> right, he would have paid his taxes. He would have been a terrible athlete. and But he would have been in the same. Yeah, he would have been bizarro Manny Pacquiao. Slightly less homophobic. Um, in, 19, in 1988. It's 88. We, we probably don't know. In, in, in 1988. Really, really hurt my feelings about Manny Pacquiao. <laughs> <laughs> in, in 1988, uh, he does a, a uniquely American thing. And he decides... Uh, to capitalize on his name, and he records a pop song. Yes. Uh, called Fly, Eddie, Fly. I remember this. I said it. I just remember this song so well. The lyrics include, <laughs> and and by the way, I find these the most self-realized and inspirational <laughs> lyrics I've heard since, like, Tommy Two-Tone's Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> the lyrics are, I may have come last this time, far behind the rest, but with some proper training... There will be gold upon my vest. It also includes a random garbage can noise around two minutes and 40 <laughs> seconds, which I think was just some guy hitting a garbage can when they were recording. Well, it's like us recording. It's like the people, yeah. yelling, it's like the people behind us yelling, motherfucker, but he, Brandon's not his producer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, I find, these, I find these lyrics quite inspirational. You know, it's a guy who says, hey, yeah, I finished last, but just a all I need is just a little training, and I won't finish... 170 feet behind, 170 meters behind first place next time. <laughs> Which is 510 feet. <laughs> the IOC, not not thrilled with his fame, not really digging Eddie the Eagle, thinking he's making a mockery of the sport. Decided that, to take that was the, that was the big thing. He's making a mockery of. The, he, we know it's a stupid sport, but you're making a mockery yes. of our stupid sport. How dare you call our stupid sport stupid? <laughs> That's right. Only we get to call it stupid. <laughs> That's right. And they decide to take action. They strengthen the qualifying rules on ski jumping. Ski jumping uh, typically was, you know, a sport you just, you competed. Yeah, obviously you competed and you got in uh, if you represented your, your country. Their new rules were that you had to compete in international events and place in the top 30% or be in the top 50 competitors, whichever is fewer, which does not help our hero who 
has a hard time finishing in the top <laughs> 50, let alone the top 30%. So wait, so, so you had to hit the higher of the two bars, not the lower of the two bars. No, you had to hit the lower of the two okay. bars. All right. Whatever was the, uh, no, no, you had to hit, it was more restrictive. Right, that's what I said. You had to yeah, hit the yeah. higher of the two bars, yeah. Eddie then goes and he, he trains, uh, wants to compete in 92. I mean, this is a man who will not be deterred. <laughs> Fails to qualify for 92 in France. 94, trains, qualifies. Fails to qualify for Lilla Hammer. Oh. Gets, gets a plane uh, company. I believe the plane was like Eagle Airlines. They sponsor him. <laughs> and they're like, we're not done yet. <laughs> One more run for Eddie the Eagle. So by 92, he's 29 years old. Yeah, he's getting up there. But this is where they go from, there's a Winter Games in 92 and in 94. Oh. So there's like that quick turnaround? Yeah, they do. Sweet Jesus, Andrew. I can't believe you remembered that <laughs> that was the year that happened. <laughs> I, I can't believe you remembered that. Well, how could he not forget the Lillehammer Games? Well, it was just that, like, <laughs> I remember. And this was in when? We are we are currently at 94 in Lillehammer. So, because I remember when that happened, because it used to be that leap years, both Olympics, and election years were all the same year. So you would look forward to those years for three years because it's like everything happened in those years. And then they said, oh, well, no, that makes no sense. It's like, oh, all right, you know. Is that like a TV thing? Like where they want to kind of stagger? Oh, it was 100% a TV thing. Well, because for a while, and, and I might be wrong about this, but for a while, I thought that the Winter Olympics and the Summer Olympics were different networks. And then NBC wanted them both. And NBC couldn't pay for them both in the same year. I believe one was on ABC, Eventually right? Eventually they take over both. It used to be yeah. ABC, ABC did the I, winter I like and NBC did the summer. Yeah. It, right. And because and, I remember that. And well, that's why Al Michaels, mm-hmm. an ABC employee, called Miracle on Ice. Miracle on Ice. Miracle on Ice. <clears throat> and. Hagler Hearns, which I watched again the other night. <laughs> that is quarantine candy, that fight. Man. I feel like I need to like gift you just a photo that constantly plays that over and over, just in like a hall in your home. It's it, it's <laughs> that it's that so fight. You just walk by and be like, oh, they're in round three. No, nice. it's that fight and about four fountains of Wayne songs, and then I'm done. <laughs> hey. hey. Um, so Eddie, Eddie gets a sponsor. Makes a run at the 98 Nagano Olympic Games. Still can't hit the qualify. So this is the end of Eddie the Eagle's Olympic dreams. Oh. He becomes, he 88, a hero in Calgary. The 98 in Nagano not qualifying. But this is not the end. You know, weep not for Eddie the Eagle. <laughs> <laughs> Don't cry for me. Oh, yeah. Weep not Eddie the Eagle. When I tuck Juliet in bed tonight, I'm going to say to her, weep not for any of the Eagles. <laughs> he, he gets invited back for the 2010 Olympic Games in Vancouver, and he carries the torch through Winnipeg, through much fanfare. The people in Canada love him. So he carries the Olympic torch. He does it. It's a middle finger to the IOC. They tried to keep him out. Our man got back in. He's not down for too long. He officially retires in 2017. <laughs> What? At, he's, in 2017, he retires. He's 54. He is 64, 60, right? Yeah. yeah, he officially. He's 54. Now, I've watched this jump, and I couldn't get the distance. But I, Laura believes this is a, a visual trick. I don't believe it is. From what I know about Eddie the Eagle, I don't believe he jumped far enough to make the slope. I think he just went up and landed and then skied the slope down. 
Yeah, because 50, 54, I'm 58. I know my knees. I wouldn't want to land. Like, if, when I, if I'm in the air, I'm saying, like, uh, somebody shoot me out of the air, out of the sky, because I don't want to land because it's going to hurt. But even if yeah. I do it perfectly, it's going to really hurt. So he officially retires in twenty. Also, very sad. One year before the next Olympic, correct? Like twenty. <laughs> he could have gotten one more. He could have gotten one more before he retired. I, 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 well, there's still probably no better English I ski don't, jumper. I don't believe there has been another English no. ski jumper. No, I don't think um, so. <clears throat> so he officially retires in 2017, but in 2016, there's a movie that's put out uh, that stars Hugh Jackman and Christopher <laughs> Walken and Taron Egerton uh, called Eddie the Eagle. You'd think Hugh Jackman would be in the skeleton, two-man skeleton movie. <laughs> if so, that movie's going to open. It. Now, I, 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 uh, maybe it's because I, I've grown to have a deep affinity for Eddie the Eagle, but the trailer is phenomenal. Got me a little misty-eyed. I was like, he did it. Our man did it. Um, and I think, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about Eddie the Eagle and why I thought this was a fun story is that you know, so often, like I said, we talk about the greatest impact and, and we talk about the ways that these athletes change their sport. And this guy, all he wanted to be his entire life was an Olympic athlete. And by becoming the Olympic athlete, he actually changed the rules of the sport. And I think it shows if you want to have an impact, you know, you don't have to be the goat. Sometimes you can just be the eagle. And that is the story of Eddie the Eagle. I, you know... I remember Eddie the Eagle, and that was I was very happy to be reminded of that. I remember the just disgust the play by not the color guy had because they always showed Eddie the Eagle's jumps on TV. Like they would show four ski jumps, they'd show the flying fin, who was insanely good. He's probably the greatest ski jumper who ever lived. And he got completely just overlooked. But they 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 showed him. They showed the other. They showed the Americans who were better, but not much better. And then he showed him the eagle, and it was like he gets so annoyed. You know, this show talks about the intersection of politics and and, and sports. It was his a complete innocence. He didn't think he was a joke. No, he was he, serious. He he thought I. Maybe I'll hit a really good jump. And he believed in the Olympic ideal in the way that nobody else actually believed in the Olympic ideal. And he made a fortune from it. And went bankrupt and then made another fortune. <laughs> and, and that there's a lot of It's all true thinkers do. Yeah. Right. Because he, because he's there there is something and he probably could not exist in this country. I don't think America has People who fail up, Michael Huang does. It did a little well, bit of middle, man middle management yeah, in middle America management. is full of people who <laughs> no, fail upwards. No, no, Peter Principal. Well, yeah, wait a second. Jared, we, we are a country of Jared Kushner. So, uh, but but I don't think the kind of we don't have the innocence that the British somehow look. They were terrible for fucking centuries, but they bring an innocence to their athletes and their love of the underdog is kind of endearing you know when i thought about it, i when i was reading the story i thought you know we talk about this a lot and we talk a lot about the wealthy wealth doesn't always dictate power and this was a man who was like beloved it's beloved and he wasn't hurting the sport he was bringing publicity to the sport and the elites <laughs> still were like you are not part of our club well it, it's the fear was 
that his very existence showed the incredible neatness of the sport. It's like, you know, and that's the problem with the Winter Olympics. <clears throat> I want to circle back to, to like Britain, England, and like the idea, this is like the cult of celebrity, the cult of celebrity athlete, which is something England, especially in their like, their, their boxers history, they're, they're very just privy to, they become national heroes, national like just spokespersons and figureheads and and this is a guy who completely like you said innocent not not great you know he wasn't he wasn't ricky hatton he wasn't joe calzaghi he wasn't nasim hamed but he was he was he was bringing eyeballs to the sport in this pure underdog sense and anybody that was like was troubled by it is I, do, do, so do you remember hagler island minter Alan Minter, I yes, I, actually, so as a matter of fact. Marvin Hagler won the middleweight title by beating Alan Minter. Vito Anafermo had it. Hagler fought Vito Anafermo. He beat him 12 rounds out of 12. They gave, they called it a draw. Hagler was ready to commit a murder, and then he did because he beat the holy fuck out of Alan Minter in that fight in Britain. And they said, well, you'll never get a decision. I remember the interview. They said, Aren't you worried about getting having the same problem getting a decision against Minter? He goes, "Oh, he'll never see a decision." Like Hagler then learned, like I'm done with decisions. Eddie the Eagles, the perfect embodiment of Great Britain sports. I I have one last question uh, before we wrap up, which is Eddie the Eagle. I think you know when we're all when we were kids, even as adults, you know you hear people, "Oh, I I could do that. I could do that." Eddie the Eagle actually did. That. did. <laughs> yeah. He actually did, and they changed the rules to stop him. Do you believe there is a space? Because this happened in the 1980 Olympics. They had amateurs. The amateurs beat the great Soviet empire. Do you think the Olympics have gotten too far away from the amateurism? And by and, and amateurism is used as a derisive term, but I mean amateurism as the term of these are not paid professionals. These are just the athletes who do their sport. Do you think they've gotten too far away? I think so. The previous Winter Games, it was the first since since i think 94 where the nhl players didn't play in hockey um it was it was amateurs and i they think, did in calgary right and there was a whole no, i think the first nhl was first in 98 nagano i think that's when oh, right it was because done. jeremy rennick burned they, they, up his hotel room the u.s team yeah Darian hatcher they were really just disgraced on uh, american and, uh <laughs> hockey actually they have get to like to 80 specifically that that semi-final game ussr usa during the 70s and 80s, like the marquee, the biggest hockey games in the world were games played between essentially that Olympic team and the best team, the, the best that the U.S. and Canada had to offer professionally with the Summit Series, the Canada Cup, these big exhibitions that were a huge fucking deal in Canada. It even made it to ESPN Everywhere. in the States. Oh, yeah. That, I remember those. Those were incredible. And, the and highest level of hockey in the world. The best team in the world was obviously the NHL All-Stars. Right. But that's not really a team. The best team in the world was the Soviet Union. Soviet national team. Because that team and what they brought to the sport in terms of how the game should be played is kind of like what the Negro Leagues brought to baseball in terms of like, oh, no, play this way. This is a much better way to play. I agree with you, Zach, that the problem was, has always been, that the Olympic ideal has almost nothing to do with the Olympic product like it's it's just a different thing when the problem is is when it actually happens like to jamaican bobsled team or any of the eagle people freak the fuck out like they they hate it because 
and eagle. If Great Britain wants to send a ski jumping team, they should be able to. Because what harm does it do? The two most popular teams, and this is, A, this is one of the problems. The two most popular events coming out of the Calgary Olympics, Ready the Eagle and the Jamaican bobsled team. And the Flying Finn was one of the most dominant athletes who ever lived. If, you know, Roger Federer ended up beating some kid with Down syndrome who made the quarterfinals, it's like, it's like, oh God, like, no, we love that kid. We don't want you. It's like, but so if you're Roger Federer, that just sucks. But yeah, no one wants to see the Yankees beat the Braves <laughs> in 96. Yeah. Oh. Or ever win ever. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I did have one thing that I want to say on just talking about amateurs and, and Olympics. I think that the Olympics over, you know, especially recent history years of what they've added in the Summer Olympics as far as skateboarding um, and other extreme sports. And then in the Winter Olympics, adding things like, I mean, it's been there forever, but it's been, it was an, a craze the, the last one olympics the uh curling. curling curling like that is that is something that i'm pretty sure everybody on that team has a day job like that is <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, that is an amateur sport if you will I, I, but it is in the olympics and there's so many different olympic sports that come in the summer olympics and in the winter olympics that have come from x game style stuff and and other forms of i think that there's still plenty of room for amateurs so one in one of my least proud moments is I walked across the street from my office to the Westbrook Lobster House to have lunch one day during the Winter Olympics, and they were showing curling. So exciting. And I closed the place. <laughs> it's so fun to watch. It's because it's like if, if somebody describes curling, you're like, oh, no, 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 if no. If you start watching two matches, you're like, this is great. It's unbelievable. Like, cornhole. Is, Should never be in the Olympics. Yeah, but Cornhole's like. To be fair, oh, we went to Mohegan Sun to go we see did, a Cornhole. Yeah, but Cornhole's like. It was a, awesome. Cornhole's kind of a bullshit example of that because, because the strategy of. Once you understand the basic strategy, which takes you three minutes, it's like understanding the strategy of the, the game Othello. Once you understand. <laughs> a st- I'm just, what a neat <laughs> game to pick. Oh, I loved Othello. Yeah, I know. You beat me in it constantly. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I, right. And I don't think I ever lost you because. The fact that you were eight had nothing to do with it. Like, I can, I'm going to demonstrate my dominance in the fellow. But ultimately, like, and that's what makes the Winter Olympics fun. Like, I don't understand why the Winter Olympics wants to be the winter equivalent of the Summer Olympics. I mean, it just isn't, except that hockey and basketball as an international sports are kind of similar. Other than that, the Winter Olympics is bonkers. It's just crazy. And just embrace it. Embrace all of this. Just say, you know, we're the fun cousin of the Summer Olympics. Yeah. Right? You go to the Summer Olympics. Yes, he's. We are the George Costanza. Who is the guy that that the uh, in Seinfeld that George's father hired Lance or something? Oh, to, the Serenity now. Yeah, to run, <laughs> to run the company. The Winter Olympics are the George Costanza to that guy's Lance. I mean, it's just yeah. Yeah, I I, I think that that is uh that's absolutely true. The Winter Olympics are uh your weird cousin in the sense of you're excited to see them, uh, but they also kind of make you feel confused. Um, <laughs> and, and, and you're happy to see them four years later, not right away. <laughs> yes, exactly. And and I want to thank everybody for taking the time. I hope we were able to provide a uh, a small reprieve in in difficult times. Thanks, Zach. This this was. Perfect. Really? You hit the perfect. Really, yeah. You hit. You just hit the perfect pitch. Well, thank you very much, and and I hope you guys all enjoyed it. And uh, stay safe.
be strong, make your voices heard. And uh, tip of the hat to Eddie the Eagle Edwards, <laughs> our hero, my favorite. And to play us out, fly, Eddie, fly. I may have come last this time, far behind the best. With some proper training, there'll be gold upon my vest. There are three articles I got this information from. One was from the Canadian Press article in 2010, titled Calgary 88 Acon. Eddie the Eagle returns to carry the 2010 Olympic torch. A Smithsonian Magazine article titled Whatever Happened to Eddie the Eagle, Britain's Most Lovable Ski Jumper by Franz Lids in February of 2014. And the independent article titled Eddie the Eagle Edwards, Edwards, it was while I was in a mental hospital I heard I was in the Olympic team by Brian Vinzer in December of 2008. That might be the greatest headline that was ever written. It's a phenomenal article. Thank you, Dave Anthony.